Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. NFL regular season over, pretty frenetic. Uh, Last week of the season was perfect for the NFL. Uh, A lot of crying, a lot of agita, a lot of real exciting stuff. And one of the results is the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs for the first time since 1999. Bruce Popko is the COO of the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Sabres, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, Buffalo Bandits, Rochester Americans. He worked at IMG, worked for the Cleveland Browns, San Francisco 49ers. He's had a lot of perspective, right, Dan? Yeah, he has great perspective. I mean, we I, you listen to the interview you did with him, and he touches on everything from stadium redevelopment to expanding a local market to, um, you know, the, the idea of being a custodial owner in a smaller market. It's really, I think it's a great interview. So I, there's a lot, of, a lot of lessons in there. So it was really interesting to hear from him. Bruce Popko, COO, Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Sabres. Here he is now. Sports professor Rick Haro, beyond the scoreboard, keeping score in the boardroom. Diversity is the name of the game, and this we're here at this primetime conference, the 10th annual, uh, as we do every year. This is different. We have somebody whose head probably gets a little tired because he has 14 million hats that the guy wears. <laughs> He's Pagula Sports Entertainment. He was with worked with uh, the Jets, the Browns, uh, a whole bunch of other teams, IMG, diverse experience, and now diverse and diverse. Bruce Popko, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. So we don't have enough time, but yeah. kind of go through your career from teams to oh. <laughs> IMG and then Pagula Sports. Sure. Um, it's really been almost primarily in football. Yeah. Um, you know, grew up working for the New York Jets, went to the league office, which is in Manhattan, uh, got recruited out of there to go to San Francisco, spent a few years there, then ended up uh, migrating back to head east towards Cleveland. Um, Twelve years in Cleveland, split between the Cleveland Browns and then IMG, to your point. Uh, working on the golf side of the business for five years and then uh, got the itch to try to get back into football and uh, went to the Bills and have been there for um, my starting my 10th season. So, so before we talk about Pagula Sports a bit because it's not just football, sure. it's, it's lacrosse, it's, it's, it's minor league, it's everything. Uh, the, the IMG piece was primarily golf mm-hmm. and you're primarily a football guy. The skills that you need to master all of those jobs, are they more similar or are they more different? Very similar. I think ultimately you're still relating to the people, yeah. whether it's a sponsor that you're looking to you know, get on board, whether it's managing an athlete and something that they're doing. I actually, I actually uh, managed two players you know, during who, my who, golf who days there. Patrick Harrington I did domestically yeah. and then Natalie Gulbis on the LPGA side. So you know, two very different personalities. And he was um, winning when you managed him. Yep, Patrick had won the British Open at did that point. Do you have point. Any, any input in No, I was really his domestic stuff, so kind of helping out here and there yeah. and with some deals and things like that. Natalie was much more kind of um, uh, really direct input, you know, helping her out. She was at a point in career where she had been injured a little bit, so she was trying to get back to kind of the stability of being on tour and playing a, a normal tour schedule. Um, she was and still is one of the most personable yeah. I mean, someone that really you could send out into any situation and he knew it would be, you know, it would be, you know, just fireworks and everybody would be excited about her presence. Um, still stay in touch with her today. So, I mean, she's a great person. So. But so, um, golf, women's, men's, lacrosse now, mm-hmm. uh, minor leagues in all contexts. 
But then Pagula Sports was really giving you an opportunity to cover the waterfront. Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, as I always say, sort of deal-making is deal-making. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're doing it in either a sponsorship and advertising realm, you know, we're doing commercial real estate development now in kind of the near proximity to the arena. We're um, doing, you know, lease uh, fronting kind of the conversation, even in Rochester with our minor league hockey affiliate, the Rochester Americans. So, yeah, sort of doing deals is sort of doing deals. You begin to draw in expertise for things that you don't have sort of maybe core competency against. But ultimately, like, being able to strike the deals is the most, you know, inspiring part of what we do every day. Let's talk about the Bills and the NFL first. Uh, new stadium? Process? What's going on? You know, we're at this uh, sort of inflection point where we've got, uh, after the season, we'll have five years left on the current lease, you know, for now what is a 43-year-old building. Yeah. Um, bones are still good. Uh, we put, uh, you know, a bunch of money into it three years ago now. So it really, it's doing well. What the long-term viability just physically of the building is, is the next thing that we have to study. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about, you know, building a new building would be great, developing kind of this enormous downtown entertainment district maybe yeah. around the arena where the Sabres play would be wonderful. It's a long process. I mean, if you, you know, we, we sort of reflect on Atlanta, you know, and Atlanta had their land already basically right next to the Georgia Dome, and that was still 10 years. So even if we, we kind of tell Terry and Kim Bagul, our owners, even if we start today, we're probably eight years in a minimum because we probably wouldn't go as grand as Mercedes-Benz, you know, and what they did in Atlanta. But I will tell you, it's a very long journey. We don't have those answers yet. There's so many twists and turns, and, and, and really, you know, the economic equation to take on that much debt in a market of our size is difficult than doing it in a top 20 market in the United States. But Western New York loves your the bills mm -hmm. and the public-private partnership opportunities are still there. For sure. And, and you know, I, I will tell you, it's been a really strong partnership that we've had with both the county and the state of New York, you know, Erie County and the state of New York. That will continue. The leadership there has been great. Um, you know, this will now become really kind of big stakes poker, though. I mean, this is really now you're talking about you know, what will probably end up being hundreds of millions of dollars deployed somewhere, either in the existing stadium for the next round of kind of super renovation or trying to figure out if a new building makes more sense for us. You realize some of the deals that have been done, all, and they're all over the map, but Steve Ross went into the super renovation, mm -hmm. and now he looks back after $500 million, and his bones are fine, but it's an entirely new facility. It is. It's an entirely new facility, you know, and, and I think that much like his orientation, you know, really supplementing and creating the best fan experience that he could possibly yeah. do was at the forefront, I know, of a lot of their thinking. Because that was, it was, you know, to your point, it was good bones, but the fan experience elements of it were probably substandard. And I think he's changed that very dramatically. And, you know, to yeah. your point, you said you'd gone to a bunch of games. Just the vibe there is different than it was five years ago. True. It's not, it's no longer just an open-air stadium. Right. It's right. not an open-air stadium. Right. Yeah. Uh, retractable? Opportunity there? You know, I think that at least what Terry uh, Pagula, our, our owner, has said is he likes open air. He likes, you know, the inherent advantage that we have of being open air. I, if I was to speculate, and it's really kind of yeah. more a little bit of my own speculation, just listening closely enough to him, I would think we'd probably do something more like Seattle, mm -hmm. where you'd have a roof that would cover a good portion of the stands but still be open air uh, and, and kind of go with that sort of model. Where's Toronto fit in the regional equation of all this? Hugely important. You know, you can't ignore six, seven million people that are up here. Um, you know, really that southern Ontario side of us and that draw that we get from kind of Hamilton on down becomes a vital part of. They're a little bit less relevant in terms of season tickets, but they're very relevant in terms of individual games. Like they really participate in game by game, kind of decide how they're going to interact, but it's a pretty big portion of our fan base. Uh, why are the cynics being listened to so much for the NFL now business-wise? 
the ratings, the, the uh, injuries on Thursday night. There's a, the, the same arguments, but people right. seem to be listening. You know, I think that when you're on top, um, you know, the arrows kind of come with a little bit more frequency ultimately. Um, you, you know, the funny part is you never hear the ratings decline conversation ever done in a comparative sense. It's always done in absolute right. terms of just us, but you never put it against where is prime time falling? Where are other sports falling? Like, you know, and, and you sort of say it's also off of much bigger base. So ultimately, to have that kind of drop off of that bigger base, so you, you, you sit and I'm always most concerned with what are the TV executives themselves saying. Yeah. And when they tell you that live sports entertainment programming is still kind of the panacea that fixes all, or at least kind of the North Star that they can rely on, you know you're in good shape. How much do you care about what advertisers are telling you? So uh, the, 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 some of the media will take the outlying advertiser and point to some returns like uh, Papa John's and say, hey, you know, the NFL's not performing for me. Yeah, and, and I think for, for them, they had a very specific uh, orientation to the underperformance or lack of performance, which was around some player behavior, some player activity right. stuff. Right. You know, I think, candidly, they're probably an outlier. Uh, you know, we, we deal in the television advertising arena every day for both the big teams, because for the hockey team as well, we produce all our games, we sell all the advertising against that on MSG. And I, I will tell you, we don't really get complaints like that. So, all right, so on-field, on-ice performance, let's shift to the Sabres mm -hmm. for a second. You have a magnificent development plan for downtown Buffalo. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we, um, we are in a 21-year-old building in Key Bank Center. Um, so we are sort of ripe for that next level of renovation. Same idea, really enhancing fan experience, really taking advantage of some of the parts of the real estate itself and the footprint to make sure we put enough programming in there that the fans want to be there early and stay late. I mean, it's as simple as that. We've built Harbor Center right next to it, which is two sheets of ice, largely oriented towards the amateur side of the game. Yeah. We've got the World Juniors coming in the end of the year now. And now all of a sudden we're beginning to, to sort of shift our focus or add to our focus um, some other commercial development. So really kind of beginning to extend the perimeter, create more of an entertainment district. We just bought an 80,000 square foot facility literally directly across the street from the arena, redeveloping that into uh, a restaurant and a brewery. Labatt is relocating their headquarters there, their corporate headquarters there. So exciting times as we kind of are, are sort of right in the middle of a lot of developments going on in the city of Buffalo. And, and, and my buddy Nick Shakevich would kill me if I didn't ask about lacrosse. Yeah, So, so sure. what's, your, what's your thought about that? Love it. I, you know, I actually played field lacrosse in college, so I was, uh, I was a bad player on a really good team, as I tell everybody. Um, so I have a huge affinity for the sport. My boys play it. Uh, my daughter played it as well when, when she was in high school. So uh, Nick and I had lunch yesterday talking about kind of the future of the league. We're very, very bullish on it. Uh, love where the bandits sit in relation to the teams that are in the league. We, we, we look at ourselves as, you know, we're, we're kind of the old guard to some degree, 26 years in right. existence now. We lead the league in attendance or we fight it out with Saskatchewan kind of now year in and year out with all the success that they've had. Hmm. So I, I think the future is incredibly bright for that league, and I think Nick and kind of the, the captain's chair is going to be really great for us. Pagula Sports, give me a sense of how, how uh, uh, the Pagulas uh, feel about their investments probably more so in western New York, they're custodians of, of, a, of a very significant economic development engine. Yeah, no, and, and I will tell you, they take that custodial responsibility incredibly seriously. And the great part about what they are trying to do, every project and every piece of sort of um, uh, growth that we look at is really about creating jobs. And, and I think that that's, it's sort of not to be understated in this day and age is, 
you know, Terry and Kim don't do it for vanity. They don't do it for accolade. They, they hate getting awards. They don't. They do it because they know that they can be a growth engine in our community, and and they take that job very seriously. And, and they've so. they've come to be recognized in the pantheon of fantastic community owners like the Crafts in New England and yeah, otherwise. Yeah, sure, exactly. I mean, you know, you, you look at Patriot Place, and while that was, you know, certainly pioneering when it came on, took them a little while to kind of get the momentum. But you look at just what it is right now, what it represents. You know, we're in a little different situation in terms of where we are geographically. But then you look at we have the same kind of footprint surrounding New Era Field right now. It's not out of the realm of possibility that if we decide to stay in that stadium, that's the next wave of development that might accompany it. And they put together great full service. They have an analytics component and otherwise that are first rate. They do. I mean, you, you look at kind of across the board, and, and as much as we compete with them on the field, we can't stand the, the run of success that they've had. You know, you have to admire everything that they've done and the diversity of their portfolio. Yeah. You know, they're just like us. They've got, you know, teams in multiple leagues that they manage and a lot of other business units. And it just, it's become kind of what you're, what you have to do to gain, I think, the utmost relevance and really take, take advantage of the economies that you afford yourself. You know, we have, we have centralized a lot of our, you know, marketing, business development, finance across all these, all these teams and all these entities <clears throat> and there's great economies that afford us. Speaking of economies and diversity, so do you wake up someday and say, you know, which sport am I going to deal with today? How do you how do you allocate your, your yeah, time? Yeah, um, you do a little bit, yeah, and you have to really make a conscious effort to be relevant sort of wherever you're going. Yeah. So you have to make a point of, I'm driving down to the stadium today. I'm going to go kind of walk the halls a little bit. I'm going to go to the arena today, be around the Sabres and the Bandits. I'm going to go to Rochester today. That's probably the biggest thing is just learning now in, in this sort of newer position for me, that discipline of, don't don't forget about anybody. Do you have a routine so it's Monday, Wednesday? I don't. I, I will tell you, it really is a little bit more as kind of catch as catch can. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's, you know, you put the fireman hat on and you might be putting out fires a little bit. And then in the midst of it, you sort of fill out and say, kind of what haven't I done this week or what haven't I paid attention to this week? What have you given up because you're running 48 franchises now? You used to, you look like a golfer because you're pretty low to the yeah, ground. What, yeah. So what, what, is, what yeah, are you no, doing? Um, well, you can't I, play golf in Buffalo anyway for yeah, nine months it's, out of Yeah, you know, like everything, life's about balance. I think that, you know, unfortunately we're sort of attached to our phones and, and yeah. that sort of thing. But um, I really haven't given up much. It's really just a matter of orientation and a huge part of it has been delegation. A lot of the things that I used to feel like I had to be strictly involved in or see on the way out or whatever it was. You have to, you know, we've trusted the management team we've put together. They're a very talented group of individuals. You got to go let them do their jobs. So finally, where is Bruce Popko and where is Pagula Sports five years from now? Five years from now, we have, Tom is retired, hopefully, yeah. and not playing for the Patriots anymore. Hmm. Um, There's a know, direct message. To yeah, that. Uh, Jack has <laughs> maybe got, Eichel's got it, you know, maybe his second ring on uh, at that point. You know, I, I, it's all trending in the right direction. I think that you sort of see where these franchises are going. You see where Buffalo is going as a city. You know, when I got there, you know, there were never cranes in the air. There were a lot yeah. of, you know, closed up buildings. And it just, the orientation of the city and, the city getting beyond kind of feeling sorry for itself or having to make excuses for itself has really changed. And I just see that it's going to sort of catapult, I think, from here. Testimonial about sports and economic development. Without a doubt. I mean, we're, we're part of it. There's a huge medical community there. There's a lot of other things that are driving it. And we're just, we're really happy to be hitting it at kind of just a, a true renaissance moment. So as work-life balance continues, you know, next time the bills are down south, we need to tee it up. Yeah, for sure. Love to. Deal, man. Yep. Thank okay, you. Thanks. Yep. Bruce Popko, COO of the Pagula Sports Empire, which includes the Bills and the Sabres, and basically almost you could call them saviors of Buffalo sports and the attendant economic development. Dan Calaruso, our global editor at Reuters, has some 
questions relative to that interview. Dan, what you got? Well, one, we have to thank the Pagoulas for saving the NFL from Bon Jovi, right? Um, that was the other uh, yeah. the other well, that, option. <laughs> that, that's one. And, and, and but, also saving Buffalo from fracking. Remember the that's Pagoulas right. uh, made their made a lot of their money from uh, fracking much of Ohio. But that's another story for another day. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, what what I thought was interesting, what Bruce talked about um, in the stadium redevelopment and in the, the entertainment district he wants to build, you mentioned, uh, and he mentioned that it would be a, they're shooting for a stadium redevelopment, what they call a super renovation, likely, um, and it's being a public-private partnership that involves tax money, right? How much tax money is going to be available in, a, in Buffalo when New York gets hit so hard by the new uh, – tax plan coming out of Washington, uh, how much is really going to be available for Buffalo's taxpayers, not exactly in an economic boom, uh, how much is going to be left for them to, to fool around with the stadium? Very complicated question. Uh, when I was doing stuff with the NFL, I was in front of the people in Orchard Park and, and the county and basically said, Band-Aid until a new stadium gets done. Well, now it's time. And, you know, the market's not that big and the stadium has to be done to compensate for that market. That's number one. Number two is the tax-exempt financing, even though it was at risk, did not appear the elimination of it in the Trump tax bill. And so there's a little more than they used to have if the tax exemption was gone. But yet, the obviously, as you said, there is a major hit here. And let's wait for the Trump infrastructure plan, if it ever happens, because stadiums may be included as part of infrastructure, by the way, like they were in the WPA in the 1930s, built the Orange Bowl and otherwise. But let's see if the Trump administration remembers that history. No, I I think it's a long shot. I mean, I think you look at it and when you say to yourself, okay, let's say the Pagoulas and Buffalo, the city, decide to go to the muni debt markets to, to finance this. That actually works almost against them because if you look at the debt service that will come out as the tax plan kind of flips around and puts a larger burden on individuals, um, that's going to be that unless there's some amazing magical renaissance uh, in Buffalo. I think the economic order there. I think the, look. I think the Pagulas are, are great owners. I think Popko's a smart, smart guy. Um, but you know, you, how how much do you fight the tape? What I do think is interesting. He mentioned the entertainment district, and obviously. The NHL is on the rise. I actually watched the Winter Classic, still for my money, the single best event in professional sports in America, in North America. Um, Sabres lost to the Rangers, but it was a great game. They're a good franchise. Um, they, he mentioned Labatt relocating its corporate headquarters to, to the Buffalo area. He, he mentioned expanding the Buffalo region to Rochester and Toronto. Um, this is an example of you know, Green Bay, Milwaukee. This is an example of taking a small market, stretching out, realizing you have some geographical elasticity, right, and making the market bigger than it actually is. Do you get that sense that, that that's something that's a – if you, you know, go back to your whatever business classes you took, does that, does that make a lot of sense to you? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but it's a little more complicated because, you know, Green Bay is a museum and a testament to football and everybody's in it together. And so Milwaukee is the – jewel that makes the whole thing shine economically, of course, with the Packers history. The Bills, old AFL team, Jim Kelly, four Super Bowls in a row. There is history there, too. But let's remember that his concept of the region, Buffalo, Rochester, I guess to some extent Syracuse, also includes the biggest market being trans-border. And everybody understands that Toronto citizens are Buffalo Bills fans, 
but they've also got the CFL, and people remember, including Roger Goodell, that they have an alignment with the CFL. They certainly don't want to create a regional competition where the economics are sapped out of Toronto into Buffalo. People respect the fact that you cross the border to see an NFL franchise, but there are a lot of issues there. The other issue of the entertainment district, well, it certainly works in Miami. It works in Dallas. It works in Phoenix. Working cold weather climate, not so much. We're going to test it in the Super Bowl when everybody theoretically emerges from their gopher holes and go to the various <laughs> events in Minnesota for Super Bowl 52 in you know February. But uh, Green Bay, different story. People are used to going to that stadium uh, indoors and outdoors. But maybe we'll see what happens in Buffalo. The entertainment district in downtown Buffalo, clearly important with the Sabres and the Bills. Stadium site has to be picked. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. So in the stadium, just to be clear, they're not. So are they looking at a super renovation? Are they still debating whether they're going to have an actual new stadium, new building? Because he mentioned the bones were good. Um, is he? They have they decided? Or are they still in the in the in the midst of making that decision? Uh, options open. Orchard Park, uh, New York, is a suburb of Buffalo. And if you've ever gone to that stadium and been stuck at the end of a game, especially that Cincinnati Buffalo snow fest in December, November you realize how difficult it is to move traffic on a three-lane road in and out. So they've got renovation issues, but they've got infrastructure issues. And, of course, you can make the argument that downtown development in Buffalo with the existing arena and a stadium opportunity near it would be more important and more needed than in many downtowns just because of the nature of the way Buffalo's downtown is today. So, ironically, it may cost a lot, but it may be more beneficial to Buffalo than most other NFL cities. That sounds that's a that's an interesting point. What jumped out for, to you from this interview? I mean, you're you're the sports professor. What what about it? I mean, obviously you have a lot of respect for for Bruce. What was the key? What are some of the interesting things you you caught on to in there? Chuck Schumer very important in this whole deal to put it together. Uh, Bruce Popko understands that you don't want to create a deadline because if you fail, then what? He's got a lot of vertically integrated opportunities with the Bandits and the Sabers and the Bills, and the Rochester Americans. He has had previous experience with other teams, including the Browns. He is a long-term business development guy, and I think the sky is the limit with the Buffalo Bills and his other entities, and of course, making the playoffs doesn't hurt either. Yeah, and I, I just like, I told you, I really like the way, and I hate to, I don't mean to, this is in a, in, a, in a way to denigrate the city, but I really like the way second city sports franchises are developing around this thing. you know you don't see a gun to the head of buffalo um you see a cooperative an owner who considers himself a custodian and an executive team that apparently takes that very seriously um and i think that's you know to me that's a a gratifying thing to hear from from uh, especially in a town like buffalo which has not had a great run of economic luck in the past 30 years or 40 years even. Um, they have a good banking sector and, you know, probably, you know, Labatt's going there is probably a nice deal. Um, so that's, so there, there's a, a better base than in other industrial towns, but it is, uh, it has not been uh, one of the great economic stories in America. So to have an owner who's a custodian and a steward and looking to create jobs um, and trying to model out an entire district as opposed to holding the city hostages is nice to see. And it's, again, you know, one of those sports elements that where it really works to to, uh, to a city's advantage. 
The irony of the NFL season is the Jaguars and the uh, Bills play each other in the first round of the NFL playoffs, two of the smallest markets in the NFL. Both owners committed to community ownership, stewardship, economic development. Again, we'll see how that all shakes out as we head to the Super Bowl. 18 for 18, the top 18 news stories, 2018. Check it out on Reuters.com, and we'll continue to move forward in the sports business world. Rick Haro with Dan Calaruso, Keeping Score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. The producer, Alex Cohn. Associate producers, Freddie Joyner and Ryan Warner. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, and Ronnie Sokatch. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Calaruso. I'm Rick Haro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.